A note. Following advice from work-life imbalance may lead to action being taken by HR, your family, the authorities, or higher powers. Focusing on workplace and lifestyle issues. Any resemblance to actual advice, living or dead, or actual wisdom is purely coincidental. I'm your monstrous manager, Frank Eastman. And I'm your lovable office companion, Derek Lewis. As you have no doubt gathered, Derek has gotten his revenge for giving him all of the Christmas play curses so that I could stay well this year. I was not expecting this low-rent Freaky Friday knockoff, however, I call shenanigans. Anyway. <laughs> oh, my, Frank. Oh, you sound so so much better than I thought you would by your description of your voice. Wow. Indeed. That it's was wonderful. It's definitely a glow up. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, but first, it's time for the daily stand-up. <laughs> Oh my God! So, so Frank, what do you have for me for the daily stand-up? You will recall when I was a complete and total badass and got my first tattoo, and then I do remember that I said I'm going to get a second tattoo. Indeed, I remember that as well. So this weekend, Derek, I got my third tattoo. Oh, that is. That is 50% more tattoo than previously that you had. Indeed, it all maths out. So we keep on we keep on joking about you having uh, finally getting that tramp stamp you always wanted. How did you know? Is this the time? It was the time. It wasn't the time. <laughs> so where where is this wonderful tattoo? Excellent. Well, where did I get it? I did a wonderful exchange with the brilliant and clever and oh-so-punny Britta. You may have heard of her. I don't know. I have. <laughs> I'm on the fence about her. I don't know. <laughs> Following that middle ground, Derek, we'll be the first against the wall. <laughs> so, she chose where I was going to get this tattoo. And not only where, but what this tattoo was going to be. So was this kind of like a uh, a blind surprise, or was this a an aforementioned, we need all the forms of documentation signed in triplicate before we do this? Like, what, what was the arrangement there? Have you heard of the garbage television show, How Far Is Tattoo Far? I have not. As a matter of fact, which is surprising, because normally I am all about garbage television. But no, this is a particular flavor that I have never heard. Well, Derek, this is performance art of a modern generation. Too antagonistic at best, frenemy at worst. I may have that backwards. Uh, individuals get completely blind tattoos. They are blindfolded. They're tattoo artists. Send them... I. We could call them witty comments, uh, but these are along the lines of tattooing a catheter bag onto your thigh or your oh. own face on your ex-girlfriend's thigh with like a, a garbage can and a stinky face. Wow. You, you may guess the context there. So, And people submit to this willingly. It seems like... they go like into this knowing that this may happen. Drugs are a hell of a thing, Derek. <laughs> See, I've seen, you know, tattoo nightmares where something of this nature has happened, where somebody has said, oh, I bet you won't get that tattoo. And then somebody stupidly goes and gets whatever tattoo was in question. And then, you know, fast forward two to five years later, and they're on the show Tattoo Nightmares begging somebody to cover it up. So you don't have a lot of faith in that Brita character, do you? <laughs> well, not this, not this one in particular. I'm not saying this was one of those cases. I'm saying that the the show in question seems like, honestly, uh, it, it seems like they're creating patrons for the other show. 
Like, that's what it feels like. <laughs> They're creating bad situations to feed into the other show. I'm hurt, Derek. That hurts at a personal level. <laughs> So, following uh, what is implied, Britta chose a tattoo for me. I chose one for her. And she got my... I'm still waiting on this picture, by the way. It has not come through. I'm waiting. Impatiently, as it were. Patience is a virtue, Derek. Which I do not have. I I don't think that is any surprise to our listeners that I lack patience whatsoever. Well, let me tell you what this the is issue is, Derek. On um, this Mac computer that I, Frank Eastman, use all the time and that I definitely uh-huh. know how to use, mm-hmm. I seem to have lost the chat with you. I, Frank Eastman, <laughs> computer software uh, project manager extraordinaire. This is going swimmingly. That's what being sick does to you. It just melts your brain a little bit. <laughs> That's Safari. That's not you. This is legit. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Okay. Boom. I think I've got it. Okay. Ask and you shall receive, Derek. I am waiting. This is great audio. I'm still... I'm going to sit here and wait until I receive said picture. Oh, my God. Is that my own Holy face shit. as an Oni mask on my knee? Because I believe it is my own exquisite face as an Oni mask on my knee. On so I am knee. A- I I am absolutely going to have to put this onto Twitter because before you said anything, when it popped up, like so it, it first popped up like like three or four feet away from me on my monitor and I saw a small image of it and it came up and my first immediate thought when seeing it out of my peripheral vision was that that is Frank as an Oni. That that is you as an Oni. This is probably one of the best tattoos I've ever seen in my entire life. For those of you who do not f- happen to see it on Twitter, it is uh, the beautiful Frank as best portrayed as a Japanese Oni with glasses, with grimace. So I I would say fairly spot on. I'd almost say it was an Oni as Frank. I'm a vain and beautiful man, Derek. Yeah. <laughs> this is, oh, this is glorious. So, I mean, I will say, like, <laughs> tattooing uh, yourself on yourself, um, I, no, I, I guess you said it. Yeah, vanity is one of your weaknesses, like the uh, like the, the glowing red sphere on your belly. But uh, You weren't supposed to tell people about that, Derek. That was our little secret, <laughs> Derek. Not only have, have, have I said that before, but it was in the clip show from last week as well. So we have we have spoiled that time and time again. Yes, I have absolutely listened to every episode of this show that I do <laughs> with you, my friend Derek Lewis. Ah, uh, we are we are piercing the veil, <laughs> breaking breaking the fourth wall. That's fine. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So so this is the tattoo that you yourself got. Uh, what what was the tattoo that was given to Britta? She has received something beautiful. It is lovely. It is skillfully done. And she looked and at it. And it's also a picture of Frank. <laughs> oh, how did you know? Uh, it is beautiful. <laughs> she looked at it and thought, what the hell is that? So everything went great. So did uh, did Britta see it after it was already done or before it was applied? It was completely finished when she saw what was put upon her shoulder. Wow. Um, she trusts <sighs> me a lot more than I trust her, it seems like. Also, which hers was in a I, place where she could look away. Mine was front and center, <laughs> right on my knee. Oh, my goodness. Uh, this shows a level of trust that I... I would dare say I have never had with another human being. Um, the The idea that that somebody else would would pick something for me to put on my body uh, that was not either removable or pre approved by me that is just completely wild. And honestly, <laughs> you should spend more time talking about your feelings, Derek. You'll be surprised I, I at would, what comes out. So I would. Uh, I would never have entered into that with uh, with you, Frank, because 
I, I know that you have a, a streak going in you. Oh, it's baskets where... of dicks all the way down, Derek. Right. Yeah, that's That would be the problem, is that I go in expecting it to be something profound and meaningful and, and symbolic of our friendship. And when I come out, it will just be it's just a, it's a, a wild array. of dicks. A bouquet. An artfully bouquet arranged bouquet. <laughs> Only the best for that... you. <laughs> Only. I'll put a master dick smith to work on it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm concerned about the term dick smith because I, I do believe that would imply that they were uh, as if as if as a swordsmith would smith swords, a dick smith smiths dicks. What are they making them out of? Is it an all-purpose dick smith? Is it a particular material, or is it only like art-based dick? Uh, I'm curious. Well, I don't know how you got yours, Derek. I don't make any assumptions. <laughs> Mine is Touché. artfully crafted. Touche. Well, I'm glad that it turned out that way. It could have gone far, far worse. I mean, not that I really expect the two of you to uh, <laughs> to festoon one another with terrible, terrible things, but uh, it, it did have the the possibility of going a little poorly, and I commend you both. I am for... just narcissistic enough to not necessarily <laughs> walk into a tattoo shop and say, put me on me, but once it's done, I'm kind of okay with it. You know, now that now that you say that, like it makes a lot of sense why they would choose uh, to put you on you. Because if there's one thing that that Frank Easton would also would always be happy to see is his own face. So you you couldn't have gone wrong. That is that is really good strategy. I had Kudos. a dink, uh, I had a banquet that very same night. It was time to bring out the kilt. <laughs> It was a whole night oh. of looking at me. Oh, hey, it's Ogre. Looking at my knee. Is that you on you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am, it is. Oh, th this this fulfills so many fetishes of of, of yours. I, I know. No, 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 not not mine. Oh, um, <laughs> I thought we had something special. Uh, we do, but it's a different flavor. Yours is is more a fetish born of narcissism. Is is the 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 combination of uh, letting having people look at you, and also uh, being precariously close to uh, <laughs> to some form of uh, illegal flashing, which uh, being in the kilt, I assume worn in the traditional fashion, uh, you were dangerously close to doing so all night. There was an open bar, Derek. I was fine. <laughs> Enough liquor for nobody to remember. You know, if uh, if you ask for a double and they pour you a double and they don't ask questions, it sounds like a pretty good time to me. I think so. All right. Uh, so do you want to get to a question from the audience? I absolutely do. Uh, let's see. Let me start by saying I am just about the most socially awkward person ever. And so <laughs> is this question asker. Ha <laughs> ha. A little joke. <laughs> <laughs> I got screwed on my initial salary offer when accepting a huge promotion. It was during a rough transition of our HR manager being fired and my direct manager also being fired a few weeks before. So I thought I could discuss it later, uh, but it turns out I can't because I've already signed the contract. It's significantly lower than what the position should be paid. I would need about a 20% raise to be in the region of acceptable, but I was just told that the company policy is max 3% a year. How can I prove to my boss I am worth way more without threatening to leave because I'm spineless and won't have the balls to give him an ultimatum sent in by Phoenix in Phoenix? Oh, boy. Um, so I will say first and foremost that this is probably the worst question that I could be asked because uh, I don't think in the history of my employment that I have ever renegotiated my salary. Maybe once, maybe once, because I avoid conflict so extremely, obviously the, the choice that I took uh, for every time where this would come up was, uh, was to leave the company, <laughs> which has, uh, if, if one was to look at my resume, has happened at least 
I think I've had six or seven jobs in the last 10 years. Um, some of them were like short hops because the, the role wasn't a good fit. Uh, but by and large, most of my promotions, they come from moving to another company. Which... Well, I don't know what human beings of human proportions do in situations like these. I just knock down a few doors and tend, like, tend to just get these tributes of basically whatever I need. That's that's a good point. Um, this is a, this is a question that needs to be separated into those of human stature and those of you know, mythic beast proportions, because you know, somebody like you who could walk into a room and, like you said, uh, people start throwing gifts at you in hopes that you will not crush them, um, doesn't really seem like a very difficult negotiation, all things considered. Uh, whereas for me, I am I am normal-sized. I, I look imposing, but once I open my mouth, it is revealed very quickly that I am, I am full of marshmallow and am very soft and and have delicate bone structure. Well, and, uh, let's say that I were theoretically about a five foot six woman of average stature. Uh, if I were in such a ridiculous position, I might also be somebody who would not know how to ask for what I'm worth. Uh, right? Theoretically, uh, this person <laughs> might also be the sort who has worked... Uh, under her value for pretty much all of her career. Right. And would have no uh, useful advice. Usual. But mm -hmm. I am a man who has a tattoo of myself <laughs> on me. So what I can say is be aggressive, aggressive. Put the passive aside. Be just, just aggressive. Be, be, be aggressive. Indeed, exactly that. Uh, that was, I'm looking at my waveforms, and that was terrible audio. I'm sorry, listeners. That was, <laughs> I should have planned better. I am um, so sorry for me, myself, Frank Eastman, editing this later. <laughs> Love me. Oh, but no, I, I think that, I think that with this, the, so the problem comes is, is in the contract, is that if the contract actually does you know, lay out very specific like time limits on uh, like how how often you can you know get a raise, how big the raise can be. Uh, that was honestly a little bit poor planning because if you took a contract that had that in it, maybe they didn't tell you it was in there. But if you took the contract, that's at this that point you've sucks. kind of stepped in it. And it's yeah, you you have stepped in it for sure. It's a little bit of work to scrape that off your shoe and try to turn it into the twenty percent raise, right? And in in order to do that, I think you kind of you would have to be fairly indispensable uh, to whatever company or contracting firm or or wherever you are uh, in order to to offset that. Because honestly, you know, by the books. They've kind of got you by the short and curlies. So if they, the question got you good. is how I can prove to my boss I am worth way more, I'm going to say that's irrelevant. The people who are worth more <laughs> are not the ones who are paid more. The ones who are paid more are the ones who read the contracts or say something very bold and assertive like, I would like to be paid more. Which is, which is also why the vast majority of people... Uh, are probably underpaid because that that is a very uh, I mean I am I am confident to an extent like I I believe in my abilities but I don't necessarily believe in like putting monetary value to those to those abilities uh, in some in some respects so I, I think that a lot of us fall into that trap of like I know that I'm worth it I I feel in my heart of hearts that I'm worth it. But when asked to quantify it with some sort of calculation, uh, it really kind of falls apart quickly, especially in front of executives or people that are um, looking at you very sternly and don't want to give you a raise. I think at this point, a bit more difficult. the only option you have is less about proving that you're worth more, but demonstrating how inconvenient it would be to them if you continue to be paid uh, what your sorry ass negotiated, which is to say, didn't negotiate early on. Make it difficult for them. Right. Oh, 
knock over every trash bin on your way into the building <laughs> until uh, just say that you're looking for the missing pennies from your paycheck. It's Legend of Zelda, this. Just every clay pot. I was worried that we were about to have to prove why leaving the company would be more detrimental than paying more. But you are, you are literally, <laughs> literally saying that we should uh, start making life miserable until such a time as the salary problem is fixed. I was going to say you actually turn into the office cat until such a time as uh, you are paid more. Because, I mean, think about it. Uh, you can poop in any granular material that's around, knock stuff off, uh, lick yourself in the middle of the floor. Certainly going to cause some some uncomfortable looks from your coworkers, but uh, maybe they will say something to the boss uh, and we'll fix your situation. But, I mean, I, I think that's the obvious choice, is it not? Uh, just if you consider yourself spineless and you don't have the balls to give him an ultimatum, why not assume that he's pretty spineless and isn't going to take the initiative to fire you? What's the worst that can happen? You get fired, you go somewhere else, you get what you're worth. That is true. That is true. Although <laughs> I will I will say that that me gambling on somebody else having less of a spine or being more uh gelatinous in their in their their cellular makeup not a good bet. I would <laughs> I would almost bet that I am more jelly-like than most others, especially most other bosses. But your your point still has still has validity. You're a jellyfish, uh, Derek, but you're a cute one. You make people smile. <laughs> uh, I have less I have less poison uh, in my my tentacles, and I just have all those tentacles with which to hug. This is not that kind <laughs> of podcast, friend. It can be. I I'm the only I'm. I'm the one trying to make it into that. You're the holdout. So wrap those big <laughs> I'll show you my arms. holdout. Uh, <laughs> is it perhaps time for an issue from the internet? I think it certainly can be. I'm not sure if we actually helped uh, Phoenix and Phoenix. Well, Frank, as you know, we rarely ever do. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't attention its own kind of help? No. Maybe just me. <laughs> Close enough. I, I normally find that attention is is uh, mostly negative. And th that's why I, uh, until recently, I, I did definitely wear more camouflage-like clothes uh, that would make me blend in with uh, college douchebags and, and slouchy folk. It's a brave new world, Derek. <laughs> Tattoos Filled. are way more acceptable in offices. <laughs> Frank, if if you are trying to convince me to also get the same tattoo as you, which is to say you on my leg, we'll talk later. It would be a fun bonding exercise. We would be so close. I'm not sure you would see it as bonding. Like, like I would go into it with a bonding mindset. Legally binding, then. <laughs> I was feeling more of like a, a a cult leader apostate type of relationship, to be honest. I failed to fine. see the problem with this. <laughs> All right. So this issue is titled, uh, What Do I Need for a Successful Doggy Daycare Business? By Galactic Narwhal. I see some Very issues good. right off the bat, but please continue. <laughs> In the next year, I want to quit my job and start a doggy daycare facility. I don't have a background in anything animal related except for being a dog owner and a dog lover. What are some things I need to do before starting this endeavor to ensure that I am successful and run a good business where owners feel as if their dogs are safe and happy with me? Hostage negotiations. You'll get first uh, clients all the time. If they want to see their little doggies returned all safe and happy and sound, you just you get a little ransom for it. So I, I wish that I had something to, to come back against that because I feel that that, like you, like you said, that, that is not going to give you repeat business so much, but it does kind of tick all the boxes. It is, uh, you would be successful. You would probably get lots of money. Uh, it, it is, uh, the owners probably feel as if their dogs are, are safe uh, because you want your money and nobody 
nobody pays money for a dead hostage. So that's uh, maybe the happy part. Um, What do doggy daycares do with owners who won't pay up for the dogs? Is it just straight up no goofs a hostage situation? Do they just keep Fluffy the poodle? Hmm. I didn't I didn't expect to have so much like existential panic for dogs when we were talking about this issue. Um now now I'm I'm actually con- considerably concerned. Um I I mean so <laughs> I would assume that they still let them go home but then they say do not come back. Like <laughs> I don't think that if you're like over by like or you're uh, twenty dollars behind on your doggy daycare that they legally get to just take your dog. Probably not. I don't know. It's that fine print. If you don't get your twenty percent raise, sometimes you don't get your dog either. <laughs> I was about to say. Uh, once again, getting fucked by contracts. Oh God, man, we need to start reading these contracts better. Right. Mm. So I mean, the the part of this question that like that doubled me over in laughter to begin with was that they want to create a doggy daycare business, but they they have no background in anything animal-related except for just being a dog owner and dog lover. Are the most successful I mean, people competent in anything, though? Consider it. No, that, that is very true. They're not. Run into but, it with heart. What could go wrong? So so this is like me saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a hair salon... Because I have hair and I like my hair. I feel like, like this is a targeted attack at me, Derek. Why you gotta do me this way? <laughs> Fine. Um, I I can't think. I was gonna say like it's me opening a gym because I have a body and I work out, but like there's no love for working out, so there's no enjoyment that I would get from owning my own gym. Came here um, to have a good time, Derek. I, I feel that you would probably have a good time uh, opening your own gym, uh, not because you like to work out, but because you like to inflict pain. Well, so, I was going to do 24-7, uh, all the machines you could handle, uh, spas, sauna, and pizza on Tuesdays, but Planet Fitness beat me to it. <laughs> so I'm out of ideas. Uh, and and the problem is is they are so far ahead because they they already do it so much cheaper than you could possibly do for startup costs that there there's no way to catch up to them. It and all comes full circle. Hostage situation. <laughs> you wanna you wanna leave the building? <laughs> you better run for it. Can you run faster than this treadmill? Uh, let's see it. Ooh. Um. Let Let's not discuss gyms where you have to. Uh, <laughs> where basically you have to escape. The premises by being good at physical things, like it can be a slow course, treadmill. You can but, take little breaks. But I, yes, it it could be. But I I seem I, I feel like that would be defeating the point. Um, is it essentially it it becomes a prison where the only means of escape is uh, to become fit enough to to uh, climb the walls. Now, have you become uh, too entrenched in this gym culture? I, I do, I do talk about lifting and uh, and protein a lot more than I thought I would. Oh no! Which is which is any? It may like, be too late. It was very nice to know you for as long as I have my co-host of a year, <laughs> Derek Lewis. Oh, <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah. So so just because you like something doesn't necessarily mean that you will have uh, any success in doing that thing. And I don't mean to, to like crap on dreams. That's not the business that I am in unless, unless I am, am good at that and enjoy that. Then I can start a business for uh, crapping on dreams, not a market for that as it were. Uh, So Uh, it doesn't matter if you know anything about running a business, as long as you know how to hire someone who does. That's a great point. That is a great point. Uh, so you don't have to know anything about a doggy daycare business. You just have to hire somebody from the competition that was that is really good at running a doggy daycare. There you go. We have a business downtown called Dog Days. Just run in with your dog taser and uh, snatch yourself a you know, workforce. 
Yeah, I, I don't see anything wrong with that. Because, um, honestly, the contract doesn't say that you can't come in and steal their entire workforce. So, really, it's an oversight on their part. They should have put it in the contract. <laughs> you can't. Uh, I guess that would f- be filed under, like, a non-compete or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, did we solve them? Did we fix their issues? Go for it. Hope uh, for the best. W- Steal the we, competition? Yeah, we didn't solve their issues, but we did make fun of them a little. And that was honestly my goal. Um, except for, I will say, uh, their their username of Galactic Narwhal, not too shabby. It's a little shabby. It's a little shabby. So do you think it's a, it's a reference to uh, possibly Futurama with uh, Galactic Narwhal? Or was that a Galactic Whale? It might have been a Galactic Whale. Can't help you, Derek. Maybe. You'd like to think I'm a big old nerd, but secretly, I'm <laughs> well, just a small little nerd. Well, you're a big old something, but I, 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 I do I do say, I will admit that it might not all be made up of nerd, but... All right, so I guess we could head on to another question from the audience. Excellent. How do you do an exit interview question mark exclamation point i'm leaving a job by choice and they want to do an exit interview with me do i tell the truth about why i'm leaving my manager is actively toxic the culture is needlessly high pressure and i've gotten passed over for a promotion twice or do i not burn bridges and say i got another offer too tempting to pass up this is from gone girl in galveston hmm once again, we run into my old nemesis of not disappointing anyone until uh, such a time as I'm no longer in the building. It is awfully um, tempting to do the guns blazing, two middle fingers up, right. piss on the door <laughs> on the way out. Just, just the un, just the unabashed, uh, scorched earth policy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that... It, it is very, very tempting, and and even me, who is, uh, as you have so eloquently put so many times, f- just overflowing with the milk of human kindness, uh, it is sometimes uh, appealing for me <laughs> uh, to want to just dunk on everybody that has been a problem at that job, uh, bosses, coworkers, um, HR personnel, and you still want to punch like to the side, like you don't want to punch down, like don't don't complain on on like the janitorial staff. That's not a reason you're leaving. Um, but any any punches you can get to the side and up, those are those are pretty tempting. Um, but the thing is, it it depends on how far away this job is. And and this is this is brutally honest on this one. Uh, not even really funnies. Uh, if you are in the same town, then whatever you say in that exit interview had better leave you in a uh, semi-hireable, rehirable state. Uh, because the alternative is that you you burn bridges with those people, and those people know people in the same city that you're still trying to get a job. I know very few stories of coworkers who left their last job by telling them to go eat a bouquet of dicks. I just, I don't hear that story. Um the no, people who are doing I, the it's exit, out of a sense of self-preservation. The exit interview, the person doing that doesn't particularly care about what went wrong. They want to hear that everything is fine and dandy, and you just get out much faster if you don't put on your righteous hat and try to fix problems on your way out. That is that is a very good point because leaving is always super uncomfortable. Like what? Uh, I I will say it's probably more uncomfortable if you're leaving, not by choice. <laughs> if you are being forcibly uh, removed from the building, it might be a little more uncomfortable of a conversation. But leaving is never easy, and you you kind of do want to get it over with as soon as possible. And if you're sitting there airing dirty laundry and you know talking to folks about you know oh well this is a problem I saw this is a problem I saw, you're gonna be in there a while, and that that you're not ripping the bandaid off. You're slowly peeling millimeter by, by millimeter uh, that bandaid off. And that's going to lead to more pain. Could you just not do the interview? Say, oh, no, I've got plans that day working somewhere else and just leave it at that. 
that is definitely a strategy. Make them miss um, it. Make them miss it. Because I, you know, there's definitely nothing saying that you have to give the exit interview. I mean, you could, of course, like just be like, okay, we'll do the exit interview. Yes, 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 yes. Everything's good. Bye. But there's nothing saying that you can't just be like, no, I don't want to give an in- exit interview. I believe my <laughs> my email that I sent to the entire company about how bad things were and which people were pieces of shit, uh, that probably said all that needed to be said. Refusing the interview is a statement without having to say much at all. Um, I, I will say, uh, for me, <laughs> my my honest answer for for what do you do in the interview or in the exit interview uh i will always kiss ass unfortunately uh unless there there's actually there is some some fine line uh between like a, a time when i would kiss ass and a time when i would just completely put somebody on blast and it really depends on how much i cared about like you know the company and the the teammates that i'm leaving behind and things like that because you know there have been a couple of ex- exit interviews where i didn't put anybody on blast but i i did give like some relatively honest feedback and you know depending on who i was giving it to like when i was talking to hr they were happy to hear you know those small complaints or things that could be done better um you know my bosses probably would not be so inclined to hear that but um but honestly if i had some, you know, some attachment to the team or the company or whatnot, um, and I, I just genuinely wanted what was best for it, then, yeah, I probably would say something honest if, you know, if tactful. Like, I'm not going to not gonna be scorched earth with it, but... I've known you for so long. Have I not rubbed off at all? You caring no, about people's feelings? I, I think that you not have informed my... Not going to pounce on rubbing off at all? <laughs> Oh, I was going to say that you have informed my in- my internal dialogue where uh, some of your misanthropic statements are in my head now, um, but they still have not made it over the lips, past the gums, into the public. Here it comes, <laughs> unfortunately. It takes a special personality type. If I were theoretically a five foot six, not very intimidating woman, I would have left a handful of really toxic jobs and right. I don't know. This is about to border on real truth. Just the issues there were known and the people directly above uh, this theoretical person uh, were just like everybody knew. And it was reflected as a weakness on this theoretical person that she couldn't handle what was being thrown at her. Like, Oh. Office environments are supposed to be this toxic. You are just not oh. cut out for it. Oh my god, that that is always such a bullshit excuse. Because whenever whenever an environment is toxic, and people are either either they're served by the toxicity or uh, it's too expensive or too much of a hassle to fix it, they always say, "Oh well, it's." You, you just you just aren't cut out for this environment. You are this is this is how we this is how steel sharpens steel. Bullshit. Fair point, Derek. You are you are Frank, you are very agreeable this evening. I don't know what it is about you, but you're very agreeable and I like that. It's that Christmas plague <laughs> that I'm sure you gave me. It just makes me so malleable. Makes it flexible. Mm. Ugh, I heard that with my <laughs> own ears. <coughs> I'm giving it back to you. Oh God, yeah, I, I'm still. My voice is still not a hundred percent. So, like, whenever I, whenever I laugh really hard, it sounds kind of like, um, like the roar of the uh, the monster from Tremors. It's got <laughs> a little bit of that hint to it. Just that that scream. All right, let's do one more issue from the internet. I don't know if I'm ready for that, Derek. Let me gird the loins. All right, hit me. <laughs> well, in a kilt, it seems like it's probably relatively difficult to gird the loins. I'm, I've got to do honest. my damnedest. <laughs> do do your damnedest to gird those loins. Um, <laughs> this one. Okay, all good. <laughs> <laughs> this was is entitled "How to Respond to People Who Overuse Punctuation Marks." By Jordy. 
Jordy says, uh, we've all had that one email that contained a phrase similar to the following. Where are my files? Followed by 15 question marks. Or I am not sure this is a good idea. Followed with 15 exclamation marks. I normally want to point out that the amount of question marks has no impact on how serious I take an inquiry. I imagine them as screeching chimpanzee uh, who is smashing his or her keyboard while I read their email. I have seen this from all sorts of people, from subordinates to C-level executives. I consider this to be the, the written equivalent of screaming to somebody. I find it rude, unprofessional, and uncalled for. How do I point this out politely? So you know in botany how so many things are related. Take the humble cauliflower. I certainly do. I'm doing keto. So take the cauliflower, take the broccoli, the kale, the Brussels sprouts, the cabbage, and it's all down uh, to one wild cabbage that sprouted forth from the earth so many years ago. And we cultivated it to bring out the, uh, the best and the brightest of each feature. The flowers, sure. the stalks, the leaves. The nutrition. Indeed. All of it. So some traits need to be cold. Uh, I, I'm, I'm hearing you loud and clear. I believe what you were implying is that these fucking barbarians that, uh, have opted to just abuse, abuse the power, frankly, uh, that we have as, as humans with written language, uh, to, to use our most precious tool for evil. Every question mark is a moment of my time that I have to see with my face. I have to process this information in my head, and that's not efficient. Seeing this in the workplace is probably, it's it's definitely not the most frustrating thing, but it is one of those things that is instantly like relatable and frustrating to to anyone that has to see that email. You know, whenever clients will respond back to an email that may have started completely uh, normal and amicable and anything like that. Uh, the second somebody starts chucking some extra punctuation onto the end of a sentence, you know, shit's gotten real. Like somebody is upset or somebody is trying to get somebody's goat. And it is, it is the beginning of the descent into madness for this email chain. That's the point where they're sitting behind their desk, slamming down their hands saying, want the wall, want the wall. <laughs> you just, you can't reason with that. No, you can't. 15 question marks. You are dealing with a child throwing a tantrum. You can try to rub their nose in it. Then their screen is greasy. I guess that's retribution. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and, and that's the thing. Is it? Is it somebody wrote out a sentence and they thought in their human brain that, boy, the words that I put out just were not powerful enough. They they said what I wanted to say, but not as powerfully or as irritatingly as I wanted them to say it. So I have to add these exclamation marks to make sure my point gets across exactly as if my annoying self was in the room. Just and need a little seasoning, you know, a little bit of that uh, emotional pressure to get it done. Okay, so so let's think about that. If... <laughs> If this was, if excla extra exclamation points or question marks were a seasoning, what 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 approximate seasoning would this be? Oh, definitely um, cilantro. Some people enjoy it. Some oh. people think it tastes like soap. So, so there's two problems with what you said. Um, first of all, cilantro is the best spice, um, bar none. Put cilantro in my water and I'll be happy. But I understand it's not everybody's tea. But I think that is what is what makes it different than this. Is that because with the exclamation marks or the question marks, even other people that use excessive punctuation will still be irritated by its presence. Uh, let so, me counter you this, Derek. Did this person mm -hmm. notice the email? Did they know <laughs> that there was a demand for the files? Did it get the job done? <sighs> I ignore a lot of emails, yes, Derek. Yes, it got the job done. Yes. Yes, it did. Yeah. Okay. So, yes, it, it had the intended purpose of getting people to notice. 
but... It's back to the wild cabbage thing. It's awful. Smells like farts. Sure has an evolutionary advantage. Ah, <laughs> uh, this is... This is painful. I feel like I'm losing an argument, and 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 I know that I that in my in my heart of hearts, I have I have the morality and righteousness on my side to hate these motherfuckers that are using these punctuations. But I'm losing the argument to sound logic, and I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, because you're right. Like like uh, there was there was a, a little piece of this question that I trimmed out because it was kind of extraneous. But, you know, it was essentially saying that, you know, that you have other means like uh, you know, the little red exclamation point in Outlook to say, hey, this is important or something like that. Um, you have other means of indicating this, that this is important, but none of which will indicate uh, or, or draw attention nearly as much as this. I've received a lot of emails with the little red exclamation point. And now ask yourself. Do they all think that they are that important? And the answer is yes. Everybody is the hero in his own story. Everyone wants your eyes on the, where are my files? When everything is important, nothing is important. Have to stand out. (laughs) So I will say, I will say. You have the moral high ground. That is not up for debate. (laughs) Oh, okay. So for all of our listeners out there, I I am not ever going to tell you that it is right or that it is justified to to commit this sin. But I will say, if if you desperately desperately need somebody to pay attention to it, like uh saying watch out, don't you know, don't go in that door. It's sent via text, obviously. I mean, you don't want to like talk to people. Like you'll you'll still like warn them through text. Or if uh, you really want to know like what the catered food was that day or something like that, things that are just super important and very time sensitive. Absolutely. Um, you can, with discretion, use ex- extra punctuation. Or you could do it every time, and that's your style. If that's it, it, honestly, you know what? If that's if that's the truth that you want to fucking stand in, that is that is fine. <laughs> Who's going to fight me on it, Derek? Who? I, I, I Everyone mean, nobody. is spineless. Everybody I invite is spineless. someone to come to my desk and challenge the number of exclamation points I put in my emails. See, I will. Okay, so I am now losing uh, my fondness for this this version of Frank because, uh, and let me explain why. So the 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 previous incarnation of Frank, uh, he did not use his powers for good, but he used them with discretion. He understood just because he could doesn't mean that he will or should. And this one, I feel, I feel like uh, like maybe this this imposter Frank has stepped into a skin and and felt power. Power am, that they have never felt before. I am shocked and deeply offended. <laughs> Imposter Frank, my very wide ass. No offense. Need to be unkind to me, Derek. <laughs> I'm not saying it's true. I'm just saying it's funny. <laughs> anyway, I think with that that wonderful expose, I think uh, it is time to punch the clock. What do you think? I believe, Derek. I must ask. Want to punch the clock? Fine, we'll punch the clock. But it was it was it was my idea. <laughs> It was in my script that I write for me every time. God damn it. And, and you edit it, so if it's, <laughs> if it's your decision, damn it. All right, before we go, send us your questions. Uh, we know that all you guys have some funny shit that has happened in your office or in your life, and we know that you want to hear us talk about it. So if you would, um, 
send us your questions at questions at WLICast.com, and we'll read them on air, and we'll make some funnies out of them. Questions are the lifeblood of this show, as is the health of both of our wonderful presenters, Frank Eastman and Derek Lewis, both of whom are absolutely healthy today. <laughs> and uh, since we are liars and only occasionally have our health, we need twice as many of your questions. Uh, so make sure to visit WLICast.com to check out the links to all of our social media, our Patreon, our merch store, and anything else you can think of that is work-life and balance-related. To all of our wonderful patrons on Patreon, thank you so much for being a part of our team and supporting us. To our listeners who aren't yet supporting us, uh, consider doing so, as it'll help us to do more and do better. And you'll also get some cool perks, like some swag, some shout-outs, and t-shirts. You can check it out at patreon.com forward slash WLICast. And everyone, everybody, do us a solid. And tell us, don't tell us, tell someone you know about the show. Who should they tell, Derek? They should tell everybody they can think of. Um, honestly, uh, if if they were to rent a bullhorn and stand on the sidewalk and uh, and shout from the corner... I, I think it would be a good move. That's a way to do an exit interview. <laughs> that that honestly, that's the thing. Um, in the exit interview, just just say nothing and just put down our business card and walk away into the sunset. That's perfect. It will answer more questions than it will raise. <laughs> Probably not, but that's fine. <laughs> so do your part and spread the word. Yeah, what he said. This has been. Now you say. Shut up! I've got in my script. <laughs> this has been the Work Life Imbalance podcast. I'm. My script says I'm not Frank Eastman. I was obviously <laughs> silly when I wrote that. And with that, uh, I think we're going to have to transfer you. No, I. I'm Derek Lewis. What the fuck? Can't <laughs> just make it all about you. God damn. Should I? Should I redo it for you? No, they know who I am. Okay. I have a secret for you, Derek. Uh, what is that? I've been sitting on this one for a good while now. I'm not Frank. What?